0: So we are going to continue on. We discuss, started discussing last time about the concept of Bala Shabbat Just as is a very, very quick review. We did make a correlation between uh, Matan Torah and the preparations that the Jewish people had to do before they received the Torah um, and getting ready for Shabbos. Okay, and if you remember the three things that were mentioned in the Pesachia more that the, 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 the Nisal had to change their clothing, um, they needed to separate men and the women needed to separate from each other so they would be prepared, okay, to that um, they would be prepared to receive the Torah, and then that they went out to greet, right? They went out to receive the Shina. And so um these are definitely very parallel correlated to some of the things that we do when we're getting ready for Shabbos, right? We know that we have to uh change our clothing, we plan Shabbos clothes, and we are very involved with Kabbalah like at Shabbat and Hakana for Shabbat. And also uh, with, with Kabbalah Shabbat itself, right? Uh, going out and receiving Shabbos. Um, if you remember, we did say that there were two different um, opinions as to how we relate to Shabbos. Uh, so Rabbi Hanina related to Shabbos as a melah as a malka, as, as, as royalty. Uh, and when we talk about royalty, why else do know that a sends his hashva sends his influence down, and we you know, on all of his subjects, right? And we are there to receive it. Um, and so, um, what he would do is he would go out to uh, he would go out to the fields to receive the of Shabbos, right? He would go out to read the Shabbos, as opposed to Rav um, Yannai, who viewed. The, who viewed the the Shavis as a kala, right? And he said that a katan, when he's standing under the chuppah waiting for his kala to come, he is makadesh he sanctifies her as his sort of separates her from everyone else, makes her quote, his, quote unquote, his own. Um, and so he is bestowing kedusha on her. So there's an element of Shavis that, we that we have to make Shabbos Kadosh, right? We have to sanctify Shabbos, and so um, and so. What he would do is, is he would wait, he would prepare, and he would wait for the Shabbos to come in, um, in order to be able to bestow kedusha on the Shabbos. Okay, so those are some of the things we spoke about last week. Um, when we talk about the actual prayer of Kabbalat Shabbat, which is very beautiful. Um, if you look through, uh, you know, first of all, it's many, It's many. Okay. Talking a lot about the greatness of God. Um, and so the idea is, is that when we internalize, the meaning, okay, of of the words, and we're we're focusing on the fact, like, wow, look at Hashem, He's so amazing, He's so wonderful. Look at everything that we have in this world. Um, it can really transform a person. It can really transform us, and it awakens within us, you know, a very deep awareness. A, 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 excuse me, a very deep awareness and recognition of God in the world, and that can really help to make that transition in our brain right? Because we're, we're talking here about the transition from the weekday into Shabbos. So we're transitioning here into a space where we want to, we don't want to be distracted by all of the noise out there. We want to turn it all off. And so when you start Shabbos by focusing on these beautiful prakim of Tehillim and again, God's greatness and his glory and nature and everything and how everything praises God. It, it, again, the goal, ladies, is to like allow this sort of infuse itself within us it's not just to be words but we're supposed to like allow this to sort of just seep into our being Um, and it creates a situation where it's it's very transformative for us hopefully and as I said it will hopefully help us be able to tune out some of the major distractions uh, that are going on out there Um, now when we're talking about again the whole idea of Kabbalah Shabbat and receiving Shabbos uh, you know, we said part of the process is also changing our clothing, right? And putting on Shabbos clothes. And so, you know, when you have that woman who's rushing, rushing, rushing and running down, you know, to light candles in her robe, you know, and her towel, in her hair, because she doesn't want to be late. Um, it's not so much team, as we would say, right? You're not going to necessarily go open the door to a, a, a an important guest, you know, in your towel and your bathrobe, right? That's not how we should really be um, welcoming in the Shabbos, and we did, I, I, I have it quoted here because this was on last time's uh, sheets, which you don't have in front of you right now, but it says, <laughs> So you're going to put on your pleasant clothes, your nice clothes, like you would to be going out to greet the king, to go out and to greet a chassan and a um, And so also we shouldn't be, and again, I, I'm in the trenches with everybody. Yeah. This is like a
1: Personal-ish question. Like during like COVID and stuff. Like every Shabbat, you like get ready for Shabbat and like get dressed for Shabbat like that. Like,
0: I did. I have to be honest. I did pull out my old Shabbos robes, which I haven't <laughs> worn in a really long time. I'm, like I'm not going anywhere. I'm just putting on a Shabbos robe. But they're nice Shabbos robes. They weren't like my terry cloth bathrobe that I come out of the shower and You know what I'm saying?
1: They have found, found
0: their place back. Yeah, of course. They, I mean. I mean, I don't know if everyone knows what a Shabbos robe is, but if you come from, a, like, from a meeting, yeah. it's, like, par for the course. You know, everybody has their Shabbos robes. You go out and buy special Shabbos robes for your kids and everybody, whatever. It's a thing. Um, but I don't, I don't really write this much. But, yes, I did. I, I mean, I, I definitely have a lot of areas in my life that I need to improve. But when it comes to Shabbos, like, I put out my china, even when no one's there, I make you know, a regular three course meal with dessert, even if no one else is there except for my family. Like, it's not about the guests. It's really about Chavez. you know, for me personally, like I, I connect to that a lot. Um, Again, there's no judgment here. The the goal here is to just, you know, raise awareness and sensitivity. Um, So again, like the running around last minute before Shabbos, you know, which all of us (coughs) can relate to, you know, oh my God, I forgot to put the urn on or, you know, did you plug in the flat dot or did I need to make the toilet and you have to throw everything in at the last minute and plug it in. You know, that, that idea of running around uh, right before doing all the last minute looks of stuff, again, that's not like the best way to, to, you know, to greet and to bring in the Shabbos, you know what I mean? Again, it's like your your guest comes in and you're sitting there making your beds, you know, while, while they're standing there, you know a lot of times it can make a person feel like they weren't really expecting me or they, they weren't really excited that I was coming, and I was sort of like an afterthought, you know, I hope nobody feels it when they come to my house and try. <laughs> well, sometimes, it, you know, I have my, my, my little army of children trying to help and they don't always do it in a timely fashion. Teenagers speak by late, So, you know, by the time they get up and get their like, acts together. Um, but, you know, in days of old, especially you hear like, people who would like close their shops you know at 12 o'clock they close their shops at cuts out and that's it and you hear, I'm sure a lot of you have heard stories, you know, whether they're actual real stories or, you know, but along the lines of, uh, you know, uh, somebody came into the store right before the guy was about to close, you know, to put in a big order for whatever. And the guy was like, I'm sorry, I'm about to close for Shabbos. I can't do this right now. And he lost a lot of money, you know, because he had a very strong principle that Arash Shabbos, my store closes at X time and that's it, I'm not, I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. And he was willing to forego that extra karnasa. Because he felt very strongly about that idea, we've kind of lost that a bit, you know, uh, in this in this world, you know, in this in this culture, you know, as you see the men get, getting off the, you know, in New York getting off the Long Island Railroad, you know what I mean, and they run home, you know, like 15 minutes before left benching, and they, you know, get take a quick shower. Like again, I'm not blaming anybody, but that's kind of like the that's sort of what's going on, okay? But that's not really the way it's meant to be, um, and we have to realize that. The Kedusha that, that Shabbos is going to be infused with is very much dependent on the cleat, the, the, the receptacle that we're creating. And so all the preparation and all the hachana that we put in to preparing and, you know, getting ready to receive the Shabbos is going to have a tremendous impact on the, the, uh, the level of Kedusha that's going to be, uh, that's going to be there. Um, and as I said, not being prepared when Shabbos is coming in is tantamount to having a a very important guest coming to your house and not running around. And truth is, Rev, Rev, um, Rev. Pincus actually makes a distinction, which I think is interesting, between Shabbos, let's say, and Pesach. So he's like, on air Shabbos, if you're running around and you don't have Shabbos ready, it's a pagan, like it's sort of like a a blemish on the kavan, on the honor of Shabbos, on the honor of of God, as opposed to Pesach, let's say. If it's Erev Pesach and you're knocking around on all the doors of your neighbors, you know, do you have some maror? Do you have some matzah? Like I didn't prepare. But then it's not a pagan on Pesach. It's a pagan on you. You look like an idiot. Like, why didn't you prepare? You're like, you should be embarrassed, right? I didn't put in the preparation. But when it comes to Shabbos, if you don't have things prepared for Shabbos, there's a little bit more of like a, a personal... You know, a front, so to speak, almost to uh, to God. I, I'd like to share with you uh, a piece from the thing that I, the booklet that I gave to you, and if you have it from last week, uh, from Ruf Pincus. It's on the second page. It says Shabbos Makassa on the top. No, that's the first one. That was from the first one. Like, you got a new one last.
1: The new
0: one from last time, the one from last time has it says six we trying the If anyone else needs, I have a few more copies. Okay, but we're reading the second page. So he says if somebody didn't have enough time to put up the kumkum, kum, might be, uh the urn for Shabbos. So he says, you know, the issue isn't gonna be the lack of coffee or tea, you know, for your Shabbos cake, you know, so you're not, so you're lacking onek Shabbos. He said, that's not really the point. Shabbos doesn't need your onek and Shabbos doesn't need your, your cup of tea. Aval So he says, the voice comes down and says, if I am a father, if I am your father, where is my honor? It's a personal affront. God forbid. That I just didn't value enough the fact that God was coming to my house. Let's say Shabbos is coming in. Shabbos came in, and I forgot to polish my shoes. Okay, this may be more applicable to men, but sometimes our shoes get scuffed. We want to polish our shoes, but I forgot. I say to myself, no, no, it doesn't matter. I am a vater. You know what the word vater means? Like I am giving up on my honor. It's fine. I'm not going to be mocking on my own honor. It's fine. I don't need to have polished shoes for Shabbat. no problem. Giving up on my own honor. He said, "What is does this tantamount to? It's just like someone who would go to a wedding with dirty, muddy shoes. Ladies, when you go to a wedding, really, really, okay, let's, let's, let's go back to the, to the core. When I'm getting dressed and all fancied up for a wedding, why am I really doing that? Is it for me? Or is it for the Khatan and the Kala, right? Well, it's not, it ideally shouldn't be for me. It's not for me, okay? I'm doing this to show honor to the, to the bride and the groom. So when I'm going into a wedding with muddied shoes, the point is not that I'm, I am not sh- showing up in an honorable way for myself and I look kind of like nabach. Sha'al shafir Because you know why? I can be molchel on my own kavod. You know what that term means to be mocha on your covenant. Like I can give up on my own honor. You're right. It's fine. If it's about my own honor, I can be mocha on my own cover. I can tell someone, no, you don't have to stand up for me when I walk into the room, whatever. I can be mocha on my own kav, even though that's not so. That's questionable too, because you're not really standing up for them. You're standing up for Torah. You can't really be mocha on Torah. But anyway, as an aside, Shafira. Okay, Ella had no hu But as we said, the real the real issue here is the honor of the groom. Shalze haba alim I can't be mochel on someone else's kavod, right? I can't be mochel on the kavod of the the chatan. That's not up to me to do that. And even if you say to me, you think that the groom is going to notice if I have muddy shoes, he's not paying attention to everything. He says, He says, Okay, even if you say that a won't, won't recognize it, but you can't see that about God. God sees everything. He's going to see your muddy shoes. Okay, and again, it's not for God. That's not the point, really. It's not like Shabbos means it, but it's showing honor. It's a way for us to connect, and it's a way for us to, to show honor. He says... We we can make a distinction in terms of understanding the difference between the principle of mitzvot that are right? Between God and God, uh, us and God, versus the principles of the mitzvot between us and our fellow man. If I'm talking about a and he's giving you the example of buying an esrog. Okay, I'm buying an esrog for, for sukkot. Okay, so. What do I think? It's a mitzvah between me and God. What's the ikar, the mitzvah? That I should be going out and buying a really nice esrog. It's about the esrog itself. And I'm worried that I should, you know, fulfill my obligation by going out and getting myself a good esrog. But when it comes to mitzvah, it's not about me. It's about them, right? I have to worry about someone else's honor. I can't, it's not like I'm worried that I should be yotze, right? And I should get, I should, you know, fulfill my obligation. Now I have to be worried that I'm, you know, in terms of how I'm interacting with the other person, I have to worry about the other person's honor. But he says, he said, this feeling, if we understand and like this, he said, it's actually a lie. It's not true. What does that mean? It's a very beautiful idea. Just like mitzvot al I have to worry about how I'm treating Ariella, right? I have to worry. How am I treating, you know, the other person? But when it comes to mitzvot I have to view God in the same way. He's almost like a al l'chaveiro, right? I have to worry, how is how, how am I treating God? How am I showing honor to God? It's not like I have to worry that I should fulfill my obligation of Estrogen God's not really in the picture. It's about me. No, no, no. It's about God. It's about showing honor to God. Just like the mitzvah are between me and my friends. Okay? Between me and the other person. Is that clear? You understand? It's a, Yeah? Everybody get it? You look baffled. Yeah.
1: You you saying before and like that's not the same because like obviously Hashem doesn't need it to like... Like
0: the
1: distinction of like we're honoring Shabbos because it's Kano, but like
0: not because it, like, I don't know, the analogy is kind of hard. The couple that I'm showing to another person, generally, okay, is not necessarily for them per se, you know, unless you're talking about your husbands, okay, your husbands need couple. yeah, that's a whole different story, okay. And but but Lamaisa, when I'm showing honor to my husband, it's not just about him, but it's also, um, it's not for him, but it's also for me. You know what I'm saying? It increases my awareness and my sensitivity in my relationship with him when I treat him in a respectable way. Okay. So when I, a lot of times when we're talking about you know Mitzvah and Makcom, I'm just thinking like I kind of sort of take God out of the picture and think like it's not really about him. I have an obligation to do this and I have to make sure that I do this. I'm not really thinking about anyone else, thinking about myself and fulfilling my obligation. But he's saying that's not the right way to look at it. I have to look at it in the same way that I look at it binazam Just like binazam I'm worried that I shouldn't damage someone else's honor and that I should do the best that I can to show them respect. I have to do the same thing, l'makol. It's a similar principle, okay? Does that make sense Clear? Yes, okay. Um, okay, we have to read right, we have all learned that before, right? Loving your neighbor as yourself is one of the basic principles of the Torah. Um, and he brings here uh, a Rashi in the Gemara and Shabbos. What's hateful, what, what's something that you hate, you shouldn't do to someone else. Uh, sorry, I didn't read the whole thing. Okay? but it's talking about Reacha, not to do something to your friend that you don't like. It's not only talking about your friend, but it's actually talking about God as well. God is also sometimes referred to as re'acha. Don't not do what God asks, okay? In the same way that you don't like when you ask someone to do something and they ignore you and they don't listen to you, so don't do the same thing to God, right? We don't ever put him in that kind of category, in that kind of context, but he's telling us on some level we kind of have to put him into this main adam context. In the same way that we interact with people, we have to have that same sensitivity to God, okay? And realize, like, same way I don't want someone to not listen to me. I shouldn't do that to God either. And therefore, I have to do the best that I can to keep Torah as precisely as possible. She said, Shabbos is the mitzvah that really emphasizes this principle the most. This is the whole essence of Shabbos. That God is with us. Ladies, like I said, you're sitting down on Friday night to a beautiful candlelit dinner with God. Okay, You're, you have to, you know, it's like almost Shalom, but like concretizing him in some way, like making it like real, like he is sitting with us. He's he's with us the whole day. And so all the preparations that I'm doing for Shabbos is personal, right? Just like I said, like I'm preparing for a, a person, I'm preparing for God showing honor to God who's coming to us on Shabbos, but how much I have to be careful that no detail should be lacking in terms of the way that I'm interacting with him and showing him honor, okay? So again, I think a very, very important point to realize, like, it's not about me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter who else is here. I shouldn't use paper plates only when, you know, when I have my family and then put out the china guests. That's basically showing, like, you know, I, I don't think that God. I I don't, I don't view this as, as God sitting with me, and so I'm going to take out my best china. I'm only going to take out my best china for my for my actual physical guests. I think that there's a, a lack of. If you're always going to use paper plates, then call it a cabo. So use them all the time, but don't don't make that that distinction between the two. Okay, the way you would do one, you should do the other, because it's really very much connected. Um, okay, so. Just one more point about Kabbalat Shabbat, and this will sort of transition us into lighting. Um, so, Rabbi Nachman in this book, Seven Heaven, so he they bring down a, you know, a teaching of Rabbi Nachman, and he explains that on Shabbos, what we're doing is, is that we're going from a state of active involvement in the world, and really taking from the world's resources. That's what we're doing during the week. We're actively involved, we're taking from the world's resources, and we're transitioning to a space where we're now receiving. Okay, and I, that, that by the way is a very very important distinction. What is the distinction between taking versus receiving? Anybody? Taking no. versus receiving.
1: I was gonna like say male and female.
0: This no, that's giving versus receiving. Taking versus receiving.
1: Um just type of like active, like receiving where like your your um you're making like for example being empathetic but making the other person feel like you're giving to them just by letting them have that space and like
0: being there to support them yes so receiving believe receiving is actually an act of giving right receiving is an act of giving because when i'm receiving i'm giving another person the opportunity to give okay um and people need to give when I don't want to receive, somebody wants, if you want to give someone a present and they don't want to take it, right, you don't feel very good about that, right? You know, so when I'm receiving something that someone has for me and I'm, I'm receiving, I'm not taking it, I'm receiving it. I think, to, do you want to see something, Ariella? Mm-hmm. No, I think the difference, personally, when I think of the difference between the two, taking is more selfish, okay? And Ruf Dessler actually talks a lot about the difference between taking and receiving. Um, Natila, he calls it the Kach of of taking. You know, it's like I'm in this world for myself and I'm just taking what I need. So I'm going from a state of weekday where I'm actively involved in the world, I'm just taking, taking, taking. And on Shabbos, I turn myself into a vessel that's able to receive from Hashem. Okay, so I'm sort of taking myself a bit out of the picture and I'm there to receive everything that God wants to give me. Okay, I'm really making a space inside of myself to receive the Neshama Yisra. Okay, to receive that extra Neshama. So to transition into candlelighting. It's a beautiful story. Some of you may have heard it before. Um, I actually heard it from uh, Rav Nobashal. Many years ago, there was a Kenesha Neshama Shalayim without Shabbos. Rav Rav Pinkasetzal also spoke there that's how old I am. I mean, he didn't die so long ago with Pincus, but I had this close to, to hear him in person a number of times. Um, anyway, remember, she told this story. It is very moving. And he said there was a, a secular family who lived in... Banabrak. So we all know Bnei Abrach is a pretty religious neighborhood, right? But there was a more secular family living there on the outskirts of Bnei Abrac. And you know, the only God to send their kid to was a religious god. Okay. So they sent their daughter to this, to this religious God. And you know, as kids do, they get inspired, right? And they learn about stuff and they, you know, they want to start doing stuff. Um, and so uh, this kid wanted to like light like candles for Shabbos, you know, and the mom was like, "No, Shum ofen, like we're not doing this." Like they were, she was just not religious, not interested. Um, whatever. Okay. A few weeks down the line, Shabbos Friday night, and the parents turn around and look, and they're like, "Where is, you know, I don't know, whatever, Sarala, Right? Where is she?" Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, where is she? They went to look for her, and uh, they go up to her room and they see her sitting there with two yardstick candles. Okay right? Everybody know what a yardside candle is, okay? She's sitting there with two yards of candles and the mom's like, what are you doing? And she innocently looks up at her mother and she goes, echad bishvil abba, echad bishvil Im. right? One is for my mother and one is for my father. Now I have chills just like saying that story. Like, can you imagine what the parents are sitting there? Like they said, they're sitting there looking at their own yardside candles, like burning on the table, like they were, <laughs> they were like freaked out, you know? Yeah. It turned out that this little girl went to the Makolet, she wanted Shabbos candles, and the, the guy in the Makolet knows the family, he's like, for sure they don't want Shabbos candles, they must want Yurtzai candles. <laughs> so he gave the little girl Yurtzai candles, and she's lighting it on the table. It turns out, again, they were very, like, you know, mitragesh, like, from that exchange, seeing their, Yur- and, and they, they ended up, they actually became religious, okay, from that, that that was, like, the beginning of their, of their inspiration. So you know what he said was like what a site candle is for a, for a, a neshama that's not alive. The Shabbos candles are for a neshama that is alive. Okay, so when we're lighting our Shabbos candles, we're infusing life, okay, into our neshamot. Okay, just like we're bringing light into the into the into the you know I guess neshama of a person who's no longer here with the yardside candles. So I want to share with you two pieces on the next page. Um, no, skip the Gemara. We're going we'll go back to that in a minute. On the following page, it says on top here, Dalid, um shalom shalit The page looks like this.
1: <laughs> okay, there's two pieces here about candlelighting that I
0: want to share with you. Um, I actually want to do the bottom one first. Uh, the bottom one is from a beautiful safer called from Rav Kluger. He's a, a girl who lives in Big Shemesh. She's written many beautiful Sarim. Um, Actually, this is not, I don't think he wrote it. It was actually written by a woman based on his uh, classes. And it's a lot of very beautiful teachings connected to women. Anyway, he says it, she says as follows. So women receive Shabbos by lighting candles. Eish is a physical material that is the closest thing possible to spirituality, right? Everybody, anybody, I, I know, I guess more so on my like Khadaka, right? Really stare at fire. fire. Fire is like pretty crazy, right? It's like pretty, it's a pretty amazing reality when you look at, when you really think about what fire is, right? So it's like a physical reality, but it's very close to spirituality. What does a fire do? It takes something physical. It takes a physical material and it actually destroys it, right? You're taking the wick and you're burning it up. You're turning it into fire and then it turns into nothing, right? All that's left is ashes. It's gone. It says initially, A candle is a mitzvah. A, a, a mitzvah is a candle. So this pasuk is actually comparing a mitzvah to a candle. Just like a candle turns oil or wax, right, into a flame. So too, a mitzvah turns something physical into something spiritual, right? It's a beautiful idea. Again, just like a candle is taking something physical and turning it into fire, right? It's taking wax or oil, and now all of a sudden there's this very spiritual, almost ethereal type of thing. Um, So a mitzvah does the same thing. A mitzvah is taking a physical thing, a physical object, like a talus, right? He brings here examples a talus and etrog, physical things in this world, and it's turning it into a mitzvah, right? It's taking it and turning it into a mitzvah. It gives it kedushah. It takes something physical and makes it holy. Hashem nishmat adam. Gam So the neshama is also compared to a candle. the kedushah, why? Because the, the neshama is what turns the physical body into something holy, into something spiritual, right? A body without a neshama is pure physicality, right? It's pure physicality. There's no spirituality there whatsoever. That's where the concept of Tumma comes from, right? The epitome of Tumma, of impurity, which is a really horrible way of you know, translating that word, but the, uh, the epitome of Tumma is a dead body, okay? And so that's because all that it is is something physical. It's There's no spirituality there whatsoever. and A person becomes affected by that when they come in contact with that. When a person, when we light Shabbos candles, So when I'm lighting Shabbos candles, ladies, whoever, I'm sure many of you light Shabbos candles, when you're lighting Shabbos candles, what are you expressing? I'm expressing the fact that the whole creation is becoming holy right now. We are revealing the spirituality, the godliness that is found in every physical reality, just like the flames that are coming up from within the oil and from the wax. Just to know, lighting, the time of candle lighting is a very big time to to daven. It's a strong time to ask and to, to daven. Um, it's a very special time for closeness to God. We have a custom at this time to daven for children that they should be tamini it's hachanim. It's a time to... To shmuz with God, right, in a very close way. It's a very special time to connect. And you'll see oftentimes women davening, right? They say the bracha, and then they sit there and they daven. They daven for their children. They they daven for a shiddach. They daven for, you know, whatever they daven. U the Shabbat b'milim shalano. And it's a time for us to also receive Shabbos verbally, right? I'm making a bracha. I'm I'm, I'm lighting Shabbos candles. I am receiving Shabbos with my words, at the time, you should know that at the time that I light candles, that's when the, that the extra neshama, that neshama kind of gets infused into our bodies. So at the time when this special neshama, extra neshama, begins to be revealed, that is when our heart is open. That is when our heart is The neshama sort of radiates um, holiness to the body. (laughs) Because now the body is resting from the hard work of the week. So he says, he's just giving us some words that we can possibly say, right? Uh, he's giving us some possible that we can say. Talk to Hashem and say, Can you imagine starting Shabbos? Hashem, I've been waiting. We probably all feel this way. We don't necessarily verbalize it. I've been waiting for Shabbos the whole week, right? But why? Not just so that I can take a shlov, right? I've been waiting for Shabbos the whole week because I want to be close to you. Or we ribono shelolam, azor li sheukhalit damekim chav shabbat. Hashem, please help me be able to delight with you on Shabbat. Or timaleo tive emuna bchat. Please fill me up with amuna in you. Kol kach tov li kaseyesh li It's so good for me when I have faith, etc. B'kolach lefiha gashoti ishiyim shalat. Okay, everybody according to their own feelings. And he says, When you start Shabbos this way, right? With these kinds of words, with these kinds of out, with this feeling of like, Hashem, I just want to be close to you. And really getting in touch with that extra infusion of Neshama that you have at that moment, it's going to impact your whole your whole Shabbos. Okay, so that's one idea, something to have in mind when you're lighting candles. Um, another beautiful idea that has very much impacted me is from the Sefer al Rachel, which I learned with the Mary Ladies. Um so this is from the section on candlelight, um obviously on uh on candlelighting. Um okay, so let's read this together. Okay, in it's at the top, it's the top uh, source on the same page. In Shalom Okay, so <laughs> Rashi says, okay, and it seems very, very basic and superficial, you know. Uh Rashi says, you know, we like shadows, candles. Why? For this reason. Because light brings peace. Okay? And in Shalom Bilonir shalom if there's no light, there's no peace. Why? Because I'm going to walk in the door and I'm going to trip over something and they're going to yell at each other. And like, it's very difficult to have Shalom if there's no light. We need light and we need. And it sounds very, very superficial. But there's way more layers to this. By the way, just FYI, okay, the halacha is if I only have enough money to buy candles for Shabbos or candles for Hanukkah, which one takes precedence, right? It's Shabbos Hanukkah, obviously. Which one do I buy? Shabbos Shabbos. candles. Of course, I like Shabbos candles. If I only have enough money to buy candles or to buy wine for Kiddush, Shabbos candles takes precedence. That's the halacha. Why? <laughs> right? Rashi says, why is this so? Because of shalom bias. And he goes on to say, as we said, <laughs> because there's no ability to have peace without candle, without light. <laughs> he said, it can't be that Rashi's telling us that we're worried that we're going to fall over objects that are on the floor bayit Shabbos. Why? Because if that's the case, if we're worried about knocking into something, the real issue here, is, is, is oneg, right? If I have a stubbed toe, you know, on Friday night, my oneg Shabbos is going to be in the toilet, right? It's not as much of a shalom bias issue as it, as it is an oneg Shabbos issue. So what is he talking about here? El a habayit So what are we worried about? That we're going to be we're going to go and we're going to stumble, not over objects, Per se, but over the people in our home. Okay, now it doesn't mean that I'm actually going to trip over the people in my home. What is he talking about? It says in Bayikra that a a person is going to stumble over his brother. This is a situation where somebody who you love, right? Somebody who should be beloved, turns into an enemy or an obstacle she Beto, which is a pretty famous quote from Nika. The enemies in your home are going to, are they the, a person's enemies are going to be the people in their own home. They ain't Shalom Klau, and there's going to be no peace. I remember learning from uh years ago, he mentioned um, that there's one you know, one opinion that the War of Gohumago, Right. I'm sure a lot of you have heard, right, that's the war that's going to proceed, Mashiach. He said, the war of Gagumago is this. The war of Gagumago is, is a situation where people in your own home become your enemies, okay? And I'm just telling you, I'm sure a lot of you know your own stories, but from my years of, like, working with NCSY kids and even working here and seeing, you know, sometimes when parents literally, like, I remember one of my uh, NCSYers, her mother would drag her into the car on Shabbos. Like, that's crazy. Like, leave the kid alone? She doesn't she want to keep Shabbos. She would drag her into the car. People cutting their kids off, you know, financially or whatever. The people in your own home can become your greatest enemies. And I, I imagine all of you probably know someone like this or have your own stories where it's very, it's very painful. Okay, even with politics, right? I mean, maybe things have calmed down a bit, but like when Trump was, you know, people were not talking to each other. They would not talk to family members. You, 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 you uh, voted for Trump, forget it. I can't talk to you or whatever it is. People politically, they, it's become a big issue nowadays more and more, right? This whole like, uh, you know, we're very liberal that we, you know, everybody, everybody should have a voice as long as you agree with me, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, it becomes, there's a lot of tension in families. and There's so many issues that are coming up where people really, they can't stand each other, right? Your biggest, your biggest <laughs> enemies can be the people in your own home. <laughs> in any situation where two people are found in one place, <laughs> there's two possible options. There's two possible paths zelaza. Either that they're going to help each other, and they're going to create an environment of love and a yearning to, to have unity. zelaza. Or they just getting each other's way. Or they and they create a, a, an environment of hatred and and distance. So Rashi says, what is the deciding factor? between whether two people who are together are going to be obstacles to each other or are going to try to create unity together. What is going to be the deciding factor? Light. Or. <laughs> or <laughs> when there is light, there is peace. <laughs> Why? Because I am now able to see, I have, what does it mean light? It doesn't mean I flick on the electric light, ladies. What does it mean? right? When somebody says, I see the light, right? What do they mean? They don't mean that they see the electric light. It means I have clarity, right? I see it. I get it. I see the truth. Okay. So, or in this situation means that I'm able to look at the other person and see how he says here that they are moshling each other. How is this person moshling me? Meaning what? How do they complete me? I have a relationship with somebody. How do they complete me? How do we compliment each other? How does he help me? Or she helped me. And once I'm able to see that, then there's love, right? Then there's a desire to have connection. But when there's darkness, I view the other person as a complete foreigner, as a complete stranger whose whole reality is to create for myself stumbling blocks, everything they do drives me crazy, right? You know, someone like that in your life, just like they can't do anything, right? Everything they say, everything you do just like rubs you the wrong way. You just can't handle it, right? Everything do bothers you. Their words just sting you, the comments you tell me you get it, and their, their whole existence just like, who are you and why are you here? Like, just go away. I can't, I can't take you, right? You're, you're bothering me. So he says a lack of shalom bayit doesn't mean negating one or the other. It's just there's no light. Meaning what? What does this mean practically? Okay, when I have light, it means that I understand how we all work together in the context of of, of our of our home. Okay. Let's take the physical example, right? When I turn on a light, I now see where everything is, how, where everything is situated, okay? So I can now appreciate where can I walk and where can I not walk? I see how everything is connected to where everything belongs. When it's dark, I turn off the light, I can't see, and then I start bumping into things. So when we're talking about this in an emotional and a spiritual way, what does this mean? When I have light, right, when I'm able to see another person's perspective, and ladies, it doesn't mean you have to agree with someone else's perspective. It's fine not to agree with them, but you have to respect where they're coming from. You have to appreciate that not everybody's the same. And when I can appreciate another person's perspective, I can have peace, right? I can't, there's not going to be peace if I just look at you like you're an idiot, right? And I can't see where you're coming from. I don't get it. I just don't understand you. And I think that's, that's really where a lot of a lot of um it comes from people aren't they're just not hearing each other i'm not getting what you're saying i hear what i'm saying but i don't hear what you're saying there's an art to even learn how to listen okay so that this is definitely something that's challenging in our generation for sure even more so than in previous generations it's becoming more and more challenging for people to be able to appreciate that everyone's different and i can still be friends with you even if i don't agree with you it's okay and you know what you're going to get married bezot Hashem. We I everybody at the right time, you know, you're not going to agree on everything, okay? Even if you marry a tzaddik, you know, Yisot Ola, I'm like <coughs> you're never going to always agree on everything. It's okay. And he's going to have the habits that are going to annoy you. It's And that's fine. It's part of life. It doesn't mean you can't like each other just because he has a habit or two that bother you. It's fine. Seeing the light. If I'm standing here by lich benching, I'm standing here by candlelighting, and I am focusing on what, who is this person? What do they bring to this relationship, right? What are their co right? What are my co How do we work together to create a beautiful family unit? Like, it's focusing on how we work together. How are we mushling each other? Not all the things that annoy me, okay? I mean, again, sometimes the truth, ladies, and I always tell my colleagues, sometimes it's important to think about the things that annoy you about someone else, because truth is, God tailor me those for you too. He knew that you needed to marry someone who has this or that negative Mida, because he knows that that's what you need to stretch yourself and to become better. Okay, so it's 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 a holistic thing. Okay, and so so something I think that's very beautiful and important to think about when you're lighting candles. hashan just bring help me have light. Help me have the clarity to understand what everyone's place is in this world, right? Every Jew is a a piece of God. How does every Jew fit into this picture? Help me have that clarity. It's very difficult to have that clarity sometimes, especially when you might find someone a little bit annoying, okay? But when you're looking at every person as a piece of God, it gives you a, a better a, a ability to be able to see them and to try to figure out where they fit into this picture, okay? And certainly we want to focus on the big picture, but also on the smaller picture of our family unit, right? And where all my kids fit and where my husband fits and where I fit and how we all work together, okay? I promise you, not all of your kids are going to be like you, okay? And sometimes you don't even... I hate to say it, you might not even like them so much because they're just so different than you. Does that make sense? You love Uh them to pieces, but you just like you rub each other the wrong way because you just don't get them. They're so different than you. But for me to be able to take a step back and say, like, how are we all working together? What is their unique gift that they're bringing into this world? Okay, that is what we're talking about here. That's what it means to have light. And that's a a tefillah that we can have when we're lighting shadows candles. Okay. Wow, that was a lot. <laughs> okay, we have a few more minutes.
1: Um yes. feel like for you any trauma? I know chatters are not supposed to enforce specific things. Um but like
0: if you when you're accepting shop. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but trying to sh- benching is like you get card blocking. It's like that and for whatever reason that's a, a very special time to to do that. By the way, there is a special segula to say, is a yihiratzon from the very end of Shemon Um That little short yihiratzon um, is a segula to say, actually, for women, by all three of our So when you're lighting Shabbos candles, you make the bracha, you say that yihiratzon. When you're Mafri if you're taking khala, you do the same thing. And also when you go to the mikvah, um, there is a very beautiful Indian to say that particular yihiratzon also. Yeah. Yeah, as show bias, it's obviously not showing bias with your husband, but there's showing bias with your family, right? There's showing 100%. You, yes, showing bias is like a, a much broader thing than just, I mean, we usually refer to it when we're talking about a couple, but yeah, 100%, me like, you know, being conscious of my parents at my home and my siblings before you get married and you're living at home. Yes, 100%. That's something you think about. It's, it's hard. You're living in a house with a lot of people. You know, you and your parents might not see the eye, eye, you know, eye to eye, but to be able to have that clarity in the headspace is very important. Um, okay, so I want to show you inside uh, the Gemara on the second page. No, actually, it's page three. It's just the one page inside the Gemara. This is from the Gemara and Chavez. So... Like, towards the top middle of the page, I have a graphic in the Uh Okay, so this is probably something you've heard before. Okay, and we sing Shalom Aleichem, right? I, I assume most people sing Shalom Aleichem. What exactly is it that we're singing? Uh, Shalom Aleichem is based on, a, it's based on this Gemara that we're reading right now. Actually, and it was written by uh, Kabbalists in the 17th century, okay. So, mm-hmm. to um, escort a person back home on Shabbos from Shul, meaning like on Friday night, from Shul to his house, one is good and one is bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you walk in the door and you have a beautiful table that's set, and the house is neat, and the beds are made, and the table is set, etc., the good Malach says, it should be God's will that next week it should be just like this. and the malachra doesn't have a choice; he has to say Amin to that bracha, okay, to that tefillah. Ba'al korchol against well. V'imlav malachra omir. You hear at some Shabbat aheret, kach umalach tov omir Amin ba'al But what if you walk in the door and the table's not set, and the house is a wreck and everybody's running around, and everything's all over the place? We're not again; you're not in a state of receiving Shabbos. So then the malachra says. May it be like this next week too, and the Malachatot doesn't have a choice but to answer, me. Okay, so you know, I guess it's a little bit cryptic, right? What is what is this really uh, talking about here? So we have to understand that you know we have a very, as as humans, we have a very unique combination of physical and um, and spiritual, and so we therefore have the ability to really affect both worlds. And so hopefully, when we're preparing properly for Shabbos, uh, we've been you know we we have infused this. The spirit of, of holiness into the physical reality, right? We spent a lot of time with our challah, the Chavit Shabbos Kodash, and with our challah, the Shabbos Kodash, and preparing everything for Shabbos, having in mind that this should be for Shabbos. Really doing the best that we can to infuse ruchnias, right? To infuse spirituality into the physical elements of our lives. So on Friday night. We're accompanied home now by these spiritual forces, by these malachim. And we're calling upon these spiritual forces to channel even greater bracha into our home. That's the ultimate bracha, okay? So again, it's just a recognition that there is this duality in our life. There is the physical, there is the spiritual. And the physical things that we do in our home do have an impact, they do have an effect right? Just like mitzvah, goerah, mitzvah, and averah, goerah, averah, right? A good thing brings upon its heel something good, and a bad thing brings <coughs> upon its heel something bad. That's the way it goes in the physical world also, okay? And so, you know, we don't want to fall into a rut, where into a routine of, like, not being ready for Shabbos. Um, and so, Hashem, I give us all a bracha, right? That we should be able to, uh, we should be able to have our homes beautiful, ready, and waiting for Shabbat. Oh, God, Vezat <laughs> Vezat okay, so, um, one last thing before before we end for today, we're gonna to talk for a minute about Kiddush um, and then next week we'll start talking about the Sudola Shabbat. Okay, so um on the, the page after the, the one you read about the candle lighting, so, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. is that or no? It really so you... is based on that. Tomorrow.
1: It's based oh, on, it's on, on this idea that,
0: that the Malachim are coming back with us and they us like, oh, hopefully, they're blessing us that. We should have bracha in our home okay but again a lot of it is based on as i said before the kedusha that we have in our homes on shabbos is going to be very much based on the hachanah on the preparations that we put into it so the bracha that we're going to see in our home on shabbos is is, is really it's it's up to us you know what i'm saying that that's kind of what what we're talking about here okay we have to we we don't just sit back you know and we have to put in some effort um okay so just it's always good to see the halacha inside Look at the top of the page from the Shulchan Aruch, okay, on Dinei HaKidush V'hasu'ud HaVleila You See the very top up here? Mitzvah HaSei Torah, the Kadesh at Yom HaShabbat So it's actually a mitzvah, uh, a positive commandment to sanctify the Shabbat day with words. Shenei Amaz Dachor at Yom HaShabbat L'Kadshel okay so that's part of the kiddish that we read on friday night i'm remembering i'm bringing up shabbat when i'm saying kish and i i I, um, I have this remembrance right and i'm mentioning the Kedushah of Shabbos at the beginning, when I say Kiddush, but also I do it at the end when when Shabbos is over with Havdalah. Right, it's kind of very similar. There's a very similar kind of way that I bring in Shabbos and that I take Shabbos out. Okay, and the Chachamim were metakin, they, they said it, you know, they set it out for us as law, that the way that we receive Shabbos and the way that we escort Shabbos out is specifically through uh, having a cup of wine. It's Whole other story. Uh, the truth is maybe I should look into that a little more. I haven't really looked into that. Why specifically on that? I'll try to see if I can find something between now and next week on that. But uh, just a couple of very, very quick points about Kiddush. So as we said, Kiddush is a mitzvah's assay of Zahra Siyom Shabbat And therefore women, this is in the Asaras uh, Sedebros, right? So women are mechaev, we are obligated in this mitzvah just as much as men are, okay? Um, and so right before we actually say the Kiddush itself, and by the way, there are different... I- I believe there are different Minhagim about standing versus sitting. Uh, so I think there are people who would stand for the beginning, maybe, mm-hmm. and then, right, and then they sit down. Uh, they stand for like the Eidot part, like the testimony part, um, and then we make the Bracha of Kiddush. And so I guess for that part you can actually sit. Um, but uh, right before Kiddush, we say these Pesukim of Bei'hu L'Shamayim You yeah. know, yeah, singing for you. But right, Bei'hu L'Shamayim It's meaning what? That Hashem stopped, right? Kalaret was finished. He finished all of his work of creating the heavens and the earth. And this, essentially, Shabbos, and say for Shabbos Malchus of Rapinkus talks a lot, a lot, a lot about this idea that Shabbos is really all about this testimony to the fact that God created the world and and then rested on the seventh day. Okay? And so when we're saying this, by the way, it's just important to to recognize that this is not, I'm not just like commemorating an event that happened, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. I am talking about the time right now, okay? It's Shabbos right now, just like it was on that first Shabbos of creation, okay? it's the, I have the opportunity now to testify to that reality, just like it was testified to all the way back then. Um, and uh, so when we announced HaShemayim, we're again announcing very strongly that Hashem created the world. And that's how we sort of, I guess, bring completion to, to the creation. By announcing this, by, by bearing witness to the fact Um, by infusing into the world this this reality that there's a purpose to creation, okay? And that is essentially that we reveal godliness in the world, and that's what we're doing. We're revealing, Shabbos is all about revealing the fact that God created the world, revealing godliness um, in the world. And this is why everything was created, okay? When we say the words in Kiddush, um, that God blessed the seventh day, this is when we... I guess for the men anyway, because the women were blessed with the Nishami Yasera <coughs> candlelighting. Okay, this is when the men are blessed with their Nishami Yesera. Um and right? So we say by right, that Hashem should sanctify the day. So what are we saying? Um we're sanctifying this day to Hashem as a day that is designated again. To the revelation of Godliness in the world. That's what this day is about, um, and the bracha emphasizes that Hashem chose us and sanctified us to do this. As we all know, God, we're not allowed to keep Shabbos. Okay, this is a special gift for the Jewish people, and He chose us to do this. And so, ladies, when we take, when we say all these beautiful words, and we have all of this in mind, again, we're standing there testifying to the fact that God created the world, bringing Godliness into the six days of the week and into Shabbos. What do we do then? We then take, make a bracha, and we swallow the Kiddush wine into our systems, and we're basically ingesting all of this Kiddusha, all of these words, these beautiful words that we just said, are now being swallowed down into our uh, being and absorbed, being absorbed into our essence. Okay? And our body is filled with amuna. Yes. Um, are we talking about the six days
1: prior or this
0: coming? No, we're talking about the sixth day. I mean. By Kiddush, we're really talking about the six days in general—the six days of the week, the six days of whole, right? And now we have—we're uh, being a Kaddish Shabbos. It's what we're doing right now is just a continuation of the same thing that was done then. You understand? So it's not like—it's not like a, a holiday where we're commemorating something that happened, you know, like Thanksgiving or Hallel, where you're commemorating something that happened hundreds of years ago. The Jewish holidays aren't like that. The Jewish holidays are very much about. We are experiencing Pesach right now, okay? We might not be physically leaving Egypt, but we very much feel we try to connect to that energy, that there's an energy in the world of freedom and liberation and getting out of our constraints, right? And, and that's how we connect to all of our holidays. And so that's how we're connecting to Shabbos also. This isn't something that happened thousands of years ago. This is something that's happening continuously. And like we said, the Or at the very beginning in the first class, the Or stresses, if we didn't have Shabbos every week, the world would just revert back to So like. By us standing up and making kiddish, we're sort of like saying, "No, no, don't. We got this. Don't worry. Okay, we're on it. Okay, we're on it." Again, we're acknowledging as we take that step back. Like you said, we're taking a step back from that active involvement in the world, and we're acknowledging. Wait a minute. I don't run the world. God runs the world. God created the world. God runs the world. Yeah, I, I, I do what I can. You know, I, 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 I put a little bit of effort in, but. I'm not the one running the show. God's the one running the show. And Chavez is a day for us to really focus on that. And I think that's something that's very much um, alluded to in Kiddush. This is a day that's set aside for us to really focus on that and think about that and acknowledge that. And that's kind of what gives us and the world the ability to continue on for the following week.